Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio Roadshow Wednesday here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, day one of Girls State 2023. Come see us at Rosie's tomorrow. You're heading on for state tournament action. We're posted up. Rosie's downtown, 10th and P, 4 to 6 tomorrow. And then uh, your home and headquarters for Boys State next week will be at Rosie's as well, uh, along with uh, all the action uh, on the radio here, at least locally in Lincoln. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. You can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. So, Elijah, let's dive into the, the three names for Nebraska. Good uh, story by Mitch Sherman with the, the, the talent infusion that Coach Rule is going to go after. Uh, with with his style of recruiting and that that track factor, right, the speed element, and and there's been progress and some wow with the number of kids that have been drafted from Temple, right, and also guys that have ended up in the league from Baylor. Now you turn your attention to Nebraska. Nebraska's got a lot of future star or future pick candidates with the, the portal options uh, for sure. But guys that are uh, going to try and make some money tomorrow through this weekend, O'Shawn Mathis, he'll run tomorrow. Uh, you look at Trey Palmer over the weekend and then Travis Vogel. Like I know we touched on it with Evan Bland. My take on Mathis is a guy that is going to be that situational edge guy that will find a roster spot or float between practice squad and, and active duty. And and I think he's a guy that can come in and, and, and do some impressive things. I think what will set Mathis apart, what could set him apart when it comes to that gamble decision is not only his get-off time, uh, he did that in the Big 12, and whatever you want to think of the Big 12 from a physicality standpoint, the Big 12's done pretty well with putting offensive tackles into the league from, from a pass-pro standpoint. Just look at Oklahoma. So I, I think the, the the first step, that burst, Mathis is a really good uh, first-step guy. And Mathis, from an arm standpoint, I mean, he has really long arms to help get around that edge. I think he's he's mobile enough to have some bend as well. I mean, your your, your prototype is, is, to me, a Randy Gregory. <laughs> he's super fluid. He's mobile. What he wants to be can be really tough and set the edge, but he is just vicious wherever you want to line him up off the edge. I'm not comparing Mathis to Randy. I'm saying if I'm an NFL guy, go get me Randy without the baggage. I think O'Shawn Mathis is a guy that grades out right now at, at, as a fifth-round guy 
bit of he shows some some really good short burst in the uh, the drills this week in Indy. Uh, he could he could climb the ladder. There's still that early film on him that wowed wowed a lot of people when he was at TCU, and I think this year at Nebraska hurt his stock. I, I don't think the the, the numbers were what they could have been or should have been uh, based on the NIL chase. Three and a half sacks. I needed that doubled at a minimum if I'm Nebraska. The 50 tackles, there was a lot of hustle tackles he made downfield. But his his hurries, that's a pretty decent number. 25, okay, is good. And he showed up big against a good offensive line in Iowa or at least a good reputation line in Iowa. He dominated that fourth quarter, so I think Mathis can can do some work. Trey Palmer, then I'll shut up and let you jump in. Trey Palmer could really kill it as a third option wide receiver. Trey Palmer was the number one and, and did well uh, in, in two games. He lit up Iowa, he lit up Purdue, uh, and folks will notice that. They are going to notice Michigan, they're going to notice Illinois, they're going to notice Witherspoon lining up across from him, and they're going to notice Six catches, 12 yards, no touchdowns in either of those games. Quarterback situation was funky with Michigan, uh, and uh, things didn't end up well with who was throwing the football to you after Casey went out. But Trey Trey disappeared too often to be a third-round guy or a second-round guy. He's got that athletic ability to wow. But him being a a second or a third choice wide receiver, he could fit great. He could be really great and find the right team and be that third option and really wear out some defenses. I'm just going to bring up a couple drills that I think if you're watching for the Huskers in the Combine, if you're one of those Combine fans, you should be watching for those two guys. With O'Shawn Mathis, we'll start with him because that's where you started, Schmitty. The, the drills that are really, really going to be important, and it's important for most of your, your edge rushers at the Combine, first, being your 10-yard split in the 40, that's more important than the uh, the 40 time as a whole. The 40 time still holds some importance for the edge rushers, a lot more than, say, an offensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman, unless you go and test incredibly well in the 40 time. Usually for those guys, the, the 40 time doesn't matter all that much, but the 10-yard split is going to be big for O'Shawn Mathis. Follow it up with the 40-yard the dash time. Uh, also, the broad jump among your edge rushers. How much explosion do you get from your legs? That is huge. If you remember Hassan Reddick, he topped out among defensive linemen whenever he was at the combine. He also ran, or sorry, he had the, the best broad jump of any defensive lineman dating back to like 2003. And I think he also had the second best 10 yard split among defensive linemen. You see where that got him in the NFL. That's just an example. Those drills are going to be important for Oshan Mathis. And the last one I'll bring up with him is that three cone shuttle, the L drill. When you start out going straight, you, you turn the right. That that uh, determines a, a player's bend and change of direction, which as an edge rusher, again, is going to be huge. So the broad jump, but the 40-yard the time looks like, along with the 10-yard split in the L drill, the three-cone shuttle are going to be huge for the O'Shawn Mathis. As for Trey Palmer... 40 time is going to be absolutely paramount with him at this draft. You've seen it on tape. You've seen the speed. You've seen the separation. Is he going to be able to go get a time? I'd say either in the very low 4-4s four or in the uh, the high 4-3s, that's going to be a successful run for Trey Palmer. If he can get somewhere around a 4-3-7, a 4-3-8, uh, up to like a 4-4-2, four, four, if he's running in there, I think he's at least showing that that the speed you see on film is not just a film thing. He has that that real athleticism. And then also drops with Trey Palmer. It wasn't a huge issue his senior year. He's shown it at times through his career. Uh, count how many drops Trey Palmer has at the combine. That's what scouts are going to be looking for. That's huge for your NFL wide receivers. You can't be dropping passes in the NFL. Watch for that 
that as well because I don't think he's going to be able to show all that much in terms of what he can do against press coverage. That was a problem last year against both those games you mentioned, Michigan and Illinois. They were playing Trey Palmer in press coverage and he struggled as well as just how clean do his routes look uh, coming out of the slot and out wide. It's hard to get a real look at the NFL Combine whenever you know, you're know you in the underwear Olympics of sorts. It's different than in pads, so I don't think you're going to get a great look at what that looks like, but the drops in the 40 time are going to be huge with Trey Palmer. Cranach always brought this up, and going to give him credit for it, but even with Palmer, I mean, he's been catching the football a long time, and he did more hand-catching than body-catching as the season progressed. That said, there was uh, some of those drops. He let the ball get into him right when the defender was there. Now, Palmer made game-changing plays this season. We, we <laughs> assessed the, the negative, which was Michigan and Illinois. He also was able to beat um, Indiana and Rutgers and flip the game, take it over. They knew the ball was going to him. The one thing that worked for Nebraska's offense better than about anything, and it was inconsistent, but when it worked, it was great, was that, well, Palmer's down there somewhere, <laughs> right? I mean, just start running, dude. And uh, the the comeback win uh, against Rutgers and, and against Indiana as you take a fourth-quarter tie ball game at 14 apiece and, and – that deep shot really flipped things on its ear. So there's that element. You pair him in a receiving core that's already pretty decent. Wow. And I think this will also help back up a little bit of Palmer. He's a Mickey Joseph guy. Mickey Joseph's a guy that coached him at Nebraska, that brought him to LSU. And Mickey Joseph is a guy from a coaching standpoint and a talent evaluator that has Jefferson and Chase in the league. And there's a ways to go for Palmer, but Mickey goes after Sunday guys. He goes after draft picks. And he's found a lot of draft picks. He did so at LSU, and he brought one to Lincoln. And that guy was responsible for, I'd say, three of the four wins this season with his game-changing plays. The, the only problem with Palmer is he doesn't have that, that ready-made NFL ability like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but that can set up well for him in terms of what landing spot he inevitably ends up going to. I don't think he's going to go to the type of team, and obviously the draft is a very fluid situation. You're not quite sure what's going to happen, but in terms of his skill set, it sets up really well for a team that's got a pretty well-made offense, and they're looking for a piece that they can take a chance on in the third or fourth round that's going to set up to be a guy that you can bring in situation into a football game. You can put him in the slot. He doesn't have to go be out there and be a three-down wide receiver type of guy. You can bring him in situationally. You know what? It's second and short from midfield and you're looking to take a deep shot. You can bring him in the slot, run him deep, and see just what kind of offense that sets up around because it's going to have to take a safety deep with Trey Palmer running that route. So he's going to be a situational guy, a ready-made offense type guy. When I look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs could maybe use a guy like Trey Palmer. I look at uh, another place in, in Seattle that has been struggling. Tyler Lockett's looking a little bit past his prime. They could use a deep threat option that would pair really well with DK Metcalf. Just one of those offenses that they already have some weapons. They just need that piece that they can take a chance on somewhere in the middle of the draft and hope he pans out. That's why things going to set up well for Trey Palmer. He doesn't have to do everything all at once as soon as he steps foot in the NFL like those guys that we've listed. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. 
and he's going to be a situational guy that as time goes on the NFL, assuming he can stick and stay somewhere, he can develop some of those tendencies, some of those abilities. His, his option will be be fast, get downfield, work the rest of the, the field open for some yes. of these other wide receivers, find your role and use it. Uh, and, and Palmer's a guy that is uh, quite capable of doing that. Travis Vokalek, I think Evan Bland nailed it with, with Vokalek's upside. I think he's a guy you'll see uh, make a squad, maybe even drafted. You look at last year's draft for Nebraska, two second-rounders on a three-and-nine football team. Cam Taylor-Britt, perfect situation in Cincinnati, really came on. That comes down to scouting and uh, and believability with what Zach Taylor saw. Cam Jurgens, the heir apparent, and really wowed his teammates in Philly. JoJo Doman made the team as an undrafted guy because even though he's a bit of a tweener, that guy is so athletic, he was able to play and do well on special teams. And then Samari Turek uh, did some nice work. I'm anxious to see, and I know it'll come down to pro day for these guys because they're not at the combine. What does Garrett Nelson do? Caleb Tanner also with his athleticism and quick twitch. Oliver Martin's been to three big-time programs, and he's had moments in his career. And Kolovarik... Kolarovic is is also a guy that's that's very athletic. Uh, we'll get you to a jock doc here at PBA. It's Hale Varsity.